want to say happy Mother's Day and uh, but I always need to pray. Father, we ask you to pour out your grace on all those that wanted to be a mother and haven't for whatever reasons haven't been able to have children are those that lost children that they were carrying all the different things that Mother's Day brings up to mothers and fathers and people separated and people missing their mothers that have gone on to be with you or be gracious today Lord we, we ask you to speak to us Come, Holy Spirit. In your tangible, manifest way. We know you're with us all the time, but, but we need you to come. Father, what a marvelous creator, loving, compassionate Father you are to us. Sending your only Son, and Jesus, you greater than any story that could have ever been invented. Of all the things that the prophet said about the coming Messiah, anointed one, when you showed up in person, you were more, you were always more than what the prophets had even said. You were more gracious. You were more kind. We read how corrective you were with those want you wanting the Jewish people to not get way off track of of God and and you brought it back and and then you exposed even more about God and he wasn't so far off by the time that you quit talking about him and demonstrating You offended people calling him daddy, saying Abba, and declaring that you were his son, and that you were declaring that you were the son of David, the one that had been called, that would come sometime, that you are the one. There's no one like you. Fully man, fully God, there's no one like you.
And you have done as you said, and you, you said that you would ask the Father to send the Spirit, and he would send the Spirit, and you have. Thank you for asking, Father, for that to happen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming. Stir within us awareness that we might bring glory and awe to our Father and to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. What some dates? Let's see, we're now day 35 of the 40 days of Jesus coming and going. Pentecost is coming. Pentecost is two weeks away. The outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus saying to the disciples, boys, guys, don't leave town until you receive power, until you receive the promise. So we got to read about the before and the after effect, and that was really good for them and us. Now, in the Vineyard Movement, Lonnie Frisbee, the hippie preacher, will come tonight, 43 years ago, to the Anaheim Vineyard on Mother's Day, and he will speak... And he will talk about that, well, God's been kind of upset with, our, with us, but he's getting, he's getting over it. So let's do something. Everybody that's over 25, how about you standing up on this side of the gym? And everyone under 25 stand on this side. Well, there was a whole lot more that were over 25 than there were under 25. And you can go and listen to the audio of him speaking on Mother's Day. It's on YouTube. And it will shut off, but not before you can hear him saying, hey, you in the red, you in the red uh, sweater or red something. Receive the Holy Spirit. And you, and you hear them on this gymnasium floor, and their heads are sort of like basketballs. You hear them go, boom, bounce a couple of times. And, and he does this a few times from the microphone, and pretty soon he's left the microphone, and you can hear him going off before they shut it off, going more, Lord, come, come. And uh, after talking to them, after the microphone was turned off because a young man had come under the power of the Holy Spirit and his face was right next to the microphone and they couldn't get to him and it was, that's all they could hear was this one boy for the next hour or so. Uh, but I think they, I have to go back and look, but I think they went out, uh, the young people did and started um, witnessing to everybody around there and I think it was something like 700 that came to the Lord over the next that summer uh, or 700 more than 700 came 700 followed them home to the Anaheim Vineyard and uh, and that's the the big encounter and, and there's a lot of other stories about Lonnie and you can get the books Steve wrote a three volume thing based on interviewing Lonnie. 
I'm going to, um, I've had an encounter with allergies since Monday evening, and I am better, and I hope I'm keep staying better. Uh, so, so I've got some verses here, and I, 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 I'm on this kind of, I wasn't trying to come up with something funny. I just started thinking about my grandmother. My, my, my grandmother, Bentley, loved sweets. I think that must be where I get mine from. Uh, she lived to be about 90, and I, I'd have to look up and see my, my grandmother, Cash, um, my granddad was drove trolleys out here on Broad Street. Uh, his name was Herschel Cash. And grandmother was a griffin. And um, she was uh, her, I, I can't go look up all the background. And uh, you go, why is he telling? I just wanted to tell you some stories. Uh, she, uh, her mother was fairly young and young enough to be playful. And her mother was jumping up and down, I guess, with some other young people. But she had had, she had had, uh, grandmother's first name is Herlene. I know you get a lot of, in the South, double names, but hers was just Herlene. But Herlene was unusual enough to me. I don't know who was named that, but she was Herlene. And, uh, she was raised in Beaver Valley. I don't know if you know where this is, but if you go down to Canoe Creek down there, and if you go down one way on to Asheville, it's not that valley. You have to kind of turn to the left where it kind of splits and go, and then you got two valleys. And Beaver Valley is the second one over that heads down that way. She was raised in a, in a house, uh, grew up in a house that had a fireplace big enough she could stand up in. It, had, it was a dog trot house, which means there's an opening down the middle. The kitchen's on the far end of one end. Sleeping quarters are on the other side. There's a living room. There's a front yard that you sweep, and it's always dirt. And there's a well, and the well and the water is so great at that house. I always, that was the first thing I would do is, can I, can I go get a bucket of water, you know, and drink out of the well from that house? And uh, grandparents and other people are buried down there um, in a cemetery. And on Decoration Sunday, you know, they go and decorate the graves and everybody ate and, and everybody came and always pinched your jaws as the children. Oh, how much taller you are, you know, that, all, of, all of that stuff. So uh, grandmother's mother uh, died fairly young. Uh, I don't know if she was a late teenager or early 20, but still playful. She scratched her, um, skinned her knee on a, a sofa on the end of it. Her leg got infected, and she died from the infection. And grandmother was raised by her grandmother. So my grandmother, uh, Cash, knew how to uh, dye things, how to put uh, the pits of walnuts and containers and making dyes and stuff because her grandmother was old enough that she lived during the, she'd been alive during the Civil War. She t would tell, my grandmother would tell stories 
that her grandmother told her of the Civil War, of different things happening down in Beaver Valley. So grandmother knew all these really old ways of doing things because being raised by someone older. So I've got about four stories I want to string out through here, but I'm going to hit highlights of things to remind us. At least this sounded like a really good idea yesterday afternoon. I'm liable not to do this. The first one is, you know, I've been, I've been teaching through these different stories in John, trying to get us more acquainted with Jesus and Jesus' training of, of the disciples and how they were normal people, the guys were, and Jesus was showing them how to listen and pay attention, and, and he would demonstrate this over and over through these different stories. So uh, here's one of them from John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. You remember we talked about Nicodemus coming to see him, and he's told Nicodemus that, you know, you, you got to be born again. Uh, and then uh, in, in 7, he's saying to, to Nick, he says, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. But, the, but the ver that next verse, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You and I get born to the Spirit. We, we start having, at first we may not notice it, but we start having different encounters with God than we were having before. Or we may have already been having encounters with God. You know, the Spirit's around all the time anyway, but... But there seems to be an, an increase of things that happen. Sh things sometimes that are strange, that something that you experience. So you, you look across the room at somebody and you just kind of know something. You don't know why, you just, you just this thought comes in and you might go over and ask them about it. Or, or you might go over and, and state it to them. And if you come from a background, uh, you might even add a thus saith the Lord statement on the front end of it or something, you know. For emphasis, you, 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 you hear things by the Spirit. You hear words of knowledge. You hear just a piece of information, knowledge. You, you hear something prophetic, something that is future tense, whether it's today or whether it uh, is going to happen some years from now. You say something to them. Um, that reminds me of that. John 3, 21. But he who practices the truth... Well, let me back up to maybe verse 20 for a second there. Um, for everyone who does evil hates the light, doesn't come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So everyone who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God, made things that we do maybe made aware. God kind of backs us up by doing stuff as we, as we talk to people, as we go places, as we see people. How about John... Chapter 7. 
37. Jesus is saying, now on the last day, it says, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. From, from those who believe in him, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's a, I, I can always see that Old Testament, um, the prophetic about saying that, you know, here's the door, and there's water running under the door, and then it starts running down the steps, and then it, it gets deeper, and they start measuring it. It's a few inches, and you walk out in the water, and it's deeper, and pretty soon it's waist high, and they walk out in the water, and it's deeper, and pretty soon it's so deep that, that you have to swim. And then he talks about all kinds of fish being there. You know, it's that this presence of God coming is an ever-increasing thing, but it comes from our spirit man. It comes from the inside out. Now, How about one more verse for a second? Chapter 8, verse 12. And if you can string together what I'm doing here. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's talked about the spirit is like wind. You don't know where wind's coming from. It just starts blowing. You don't know where it's going. The Holy Spirit is like wind. Okay, so what does that say? There's times when we go, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. I had this idea. I had this something other. I don't know. Wind. Then there is him saying it's like water. It's like from your innermost beings, this overflowing happens. You know, have you, have, you been on, have you been on the giving and the receiving end of this at times? Someone, you, you know, you ask for prayer or someone walks over and says, I want to pray for you, right? And they lay hands on you, touch, you can touch you on your head or your shoulder or something or another, and suddenly there is all of this flow of the Spirit's presence coming on you if you're on the receiving end. But it works the same way if you're the, the extension cord of God and, and you're the one that as you touch them, you can feel sometimes it, it, it coming or leaving or going out or you, you just get in the, it's like you are in the extension cord between God's presence and this other person and you're the one that it's, He's moving through. He, he does them both with all of us. 
Sometimes we need a, a charge we, or like a tank or something that uh, Wimber used to say, we all leak. You know, you can fill us up today, but you'll have to fill us up again. You know, that's why the Holy Spirit keeps coming. That's why you keep asking for him. You don't ask just one time for him to come because there's kind of this trickle running out. Uh, we need another charge. We need another, another of, the, of the Spirit coming. Sometimes that he's this wind. Sometimes he, we don't understand that. Sometimes it's like, like water. Sometimes he is a lot. Sometimes it's real uncomfortable when, when he turns his like flashlight on some part of your life that you has been has been in the dark. You've got it so far back in the dark, either because something happened to you when you were young or something that you got involved in or something you did. You've forgotten that that's back there, back in the room in the dark, or in the closet. You've closed the door on something. And doggone it, if God doesn't undo the door and turn the light on in this closet or a flashlight on it, and you're suddenly in an uncomfortable place because the Holy Spirit, something you've not thought of in a long time, all of a sudden is just bright as day in there now because it's time. He wants to work on it. He's chosen that this is the time to work on it. It doesn't always happen at the scheduled revival for the week in June somewhere, you know. I find it happens to me in odd places. You know, at Walmart or some, I mean, just odd places. Things that have nothing, I can't think anything of why did that come to mind in the parking lot. I wish you hadn't brought that up, Lord. I wish, I wish we, I wish we could have just left that in the dark in the trunk back there. You know, it's love, though. Ah, he loves us. He doesn't want us to stay still. He's got plans. He's got long-term plans, eternal plans, for you and me. For people we know, for family members, people on Mother's Day, who knows? Maybe it'll be Father's Day next time. You know, I, I used to roll that around like, why did Wimber invite? I know he, he says, I heard him somewhere, he said he just thought it, you know, Lonnie kept saying, John, I think you should let me speak. I think God wants me, you to let me speak. Well, let me think about it, Lonnie. He kept putting him off. And finally, he said to him, he said, okay, okay. You can speak next week. He didn't think about it being Mother's Day. He just thought they had a morning service. They had an evening service. Lionel was going to speak during the evening service. John said, I, I was, I was a, little, a little leery of this, wondering why did I say yes to this, to the hippie preacher. But he said Lonnie was so good. It was just so good. He was funny. He was telling his history. He was telling how he met God in a canyon he was telling different things. And then he invited the Holy Spirit. And then it went sideways. He said, and I had piles of young people piled around the room in piles, literally. He called Tom Stop up that night. He waited until morning. He first went home 
to the garage and where he had all of his theological books and all of his schooling, trying to find any book that might have come Holy Spirit, bam. You know, couldn't, it's hard to find something that says that. These, these guys weren't charismatics. They weren't, I mean, they, he, he taught for Fuller Seminary and stuff, and, but, and he knew about Pentecostal behavior, but, but the vineyard wasn't that. The vineyard was about relationship, knowing each other, about inviting people to Jesus, about singing love songs to Jesus. It was safe until Lonnie came. And now it wasn't safe. And now he was the senior pastor, and he was going to have to explain to everybody, come Holy Spirit, bam. I mean, he was wondering about all this. So in that room of doors over there are thousands of cassette tapes because I lived in Alabama and only got to go to Anaheim occasionally, and they would take uh, put cassettes out of services plus conferences. I bought everything I could buy. Michael Bynum says he got his whole spiritual education in all those boxes in there. So John knew we had a vineyard pastor, a guy that became a vineyard pastor, had been a Calvary pastor. Uh, he was uh, played um, the organ. Tom Stop had an afro way out. I mean, a, a, an afro when I met him. Later, he cut his hair shorter. And, 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 he, and he sounded like Tom Selleck. You've heard Tom Selleck's voice. Tom Stop sounded just like him. You couldn't tell him apart. And Tom ended up being a Calvary church and then becoming a vineyard church and going to Denver and starting a vineyard in Denver. So he had a little vineyard in Denver. He had been, like I said, played for Catherine Kuhlman, played, played uh, organ for her. In fact, he is, he is one of the evangelists that, that during the, um, you know, they don't, they don't put all the stuff on the, on the Jesus uh, Time Magazine called it, what, Jesus Revolution on the cover, and then they, they call the movie that. Uh, but, but Tom was an evangelist for Calvary on the beach. And, and you go back and find pictures of, of Tom standing there with this afro and him inviting people to Jesus and them going out and baptizing and not only in Pirate's Cove but other, other places down through there. And uh, Michael Bynum found a, a, a YouTube of, of Ken Gullickson when the vineyard was meeting on the beach. That's where they started before, before Wimber even was involved in it. It's Ken Gullickson who started the vineyard church, which was a Calvary church. And they're all meeting in this big group out on the beach. And Sunday school for the kids were little groups of kids scattered far enough away that you couldn't hear the adults over there and just seeing seeing something uh, a little movie an eight millimeter movie of some of this stuff from a long time ago which i wasn't a part of um until about 80 83 84 85 right in there and i don't know why i'm telling you this talking about tom oh tom's in denver so, so John has been, uh, he stayed up all night. He started finding different things about revival in the garage. And so uh, he's decided that 
He just needs to talk to somebody. He doesn't know who to talk to. He just needs to talk to somebody because this is so kind of unnerving to John. Meanwhile, Tom has awakened early. Now, he's on mountain time. John is on, you know, it's an hour's difference. Tom is awakened, and out of the blue, he said, um, I heard another cassette from, I heard, the, I heard John's version of that day, and then I've heard Tom's version of, from one of his sermons. He said, I woke up, and I felt like I should call John Wimber. I had no reason to call John Wimber, but I just really felt a strong urge to call him. Unfortunately, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, so he wasn't going to call him yet. So he waited until maybe 7 a.m., and he calls John. He says, John, are you okay? Tom, Tom, Lonnie came last night. Lonnie came. And, you know, he, he invited the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And then, and, and Tom says, and then, bam. <laughs> he said, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Tom started crying. He says, God woke me up at four to tell me I should call you. And he just told me one phrase to tell you, which was, John, it's me. Well, that was pretty cool. I thought that was, a, that was a pretty good little story that they were doing. So, you know, I talked about the light. And so I thought of one of my grandmother's stories. Beaver Valley is not a big place, so everybody knows everybody else's life completely. One of the neighbors, when she was, I don't know how old she was, and she, and she, she wasn't there. She lived about a half mile away. There was a young man that, uh, you know how people can be loudmouth. Yeah, you know, our cops aren't doing good. I don't really believe there is a God. He, he was real upset, probably because they, yeah, the crops had been bad that year. It was summer. It was not going well. And he was just bad-mouthing God to everybody he knew. Of course, they had, everybody has a front porch and a dog truck house just about. And a thunderstorm came up, grandmother said. This thunderstorm came up, lightning, and I've never seen ball lightning, but I've heard of it. You know, lightning kind of like a big ball. And now the roads are dirt. The driveway, everything's dirt. You know, it's Beaver Valley. This ball lightning appears <laughs> down the road and starts moving, floating over the road, coming down the road. When it gets to this guy's driveway, it turns up the driveway, comes up on the porch and goes through the living room screen door, dog trot, out the back. Oh, I guess it didn't have a screen door, did it? Probably. It's probably open. It, it came up and went through the house and out the back. He repented, she said. He started going to church every week. Got his attention. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. You tend to remember stories that your family, your relatives, to, she has no reason to tell these stories. 
she would just tell stories from her, her life. She lived um, a lot of her life next door to my mother and father in Rainbow City. She built a house next door. And I went out and started staying out there, I don't know, maybe age 12 or something. And I'd put on my bathrobe. I'd carry my own personal pillow. Uh, I got, she would let me play her radio, and the radio was a dial radio, and I could dial up WLS in Chicago at night. Well, you know, on AM, it bounces the signal. And WLS, the music was always like a month ahead of music in Gadsden. You'd hear songs there that you'd, it'd be about a month for you to play it in Gadsden. But, you know, WLS stood for world's largest store for Sears. It was the broadcast from the top of the Sears Tower and a 50,000 watt station. It bounced, you know, you could you dial, you had to dial it in and get it right there. And she didn't mind me playing it in the back bedroom. And, and uh, I, did, I did buy an amplified Bible. I saved up my money because I wanted something that would help me tell me other stuff. Besides that, it wasn't King James. Uh, but, man, it took forever to read through an Amplified Bible. Nothing just said something plain. No, there's like five different words explaining a word before you went to the next word. So the Bible is at least twice. Somewhere I've got it upstairs. I didn't move to American Standard until I, got, I started running around with Campus Crusade people and they happened to be using a new American Standard. That's how I got. And they will carry these just New Testaments, just a navy blue New Testament. It was only that thick. So you could have this cool, just thin little New Testament. You're okay unless they needed the Old Testament and then you'd have to borrow somebody's or read on with somebody that had a whole Bible. So I, I carried around this, this New Testament. Um... John 9, I thought my antihistamine had worn off, but if you can tell, I don't know that I'm totally making whole lots of sense. Chapter 9 of John, verses 4 and 5. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world... I am the light of the world. You know, that wouldn't normally concern me, but it concerns me more as an American. I tend to take that verse, that verse 4, work sent me as long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. What if, just things can be crazy, what if next month we're not allowed to meet? Because someone in government has decided that we're subversive. You know, there are those voices out there. So how are we going to, well, I mean, we can meet each other here and there in different things. We're going to need to train the next generation and other ones or people that may be coming to God how to hear him, how to see him, how to follow him. Because if, if not in a country, this one or any country shows up, you can't work. Uh, we, we regularly, God's been gracious enough that we've been supporting orphans in Lahore, Pakistan for a number of years now. And Marie wrote me the first of the week. She wasn't asking for extra support, although inflation is really hard in Pakistan right now in the stuff that's going on. 
But the government has really started clamping down over there. And they're having demonstrations in the streets. And the government's is uh, starting to tell some of them that they can't do some of the things that they're doing. So as a, as, so as a Christian orphanage in Pakistan, we need to pray for them. You know, this is just one, there's a lot of Christian orphanages, orphanages in Pakistan. How about John chapter 10, verse 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it overflowing abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hard hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Yeah, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Another one of my grandmother's stories. So multiple houses in, in Beaver Valley are dog trot, have an opening in the middle. And undoubtedly, this story uh, that she, she's, some of these stories she would tell, not regularly, but I've heard them I've heard more than once. There was a, a little girl sleeping in a bed on, on the sleeping side of the house. A few a little ways down from where grandmother lived. And the family was across the hall and they heard a ruckus go on in the room where the girl was. A king snake came up from the back of the house and came up the steps and went down the hall and went into the bedroom where the little girl was asleep. And then the ruckus started. There was a poisonous snake camping inside of the spring mattress that the girl was sleeping on. And the king snake, who they're very territorial, came and took care of the other snake and killed it. And then the king snake went down the hall and down the steps and out the back. Of course, the adults were watching this part now that they had heard the stuff next door and found the other snake's body. Grandmother came over one night to my parents' house, or one not night, one morning. She usually came over in the morning. 
And uh, I guess I must have come with her because I, I heard the story from the den. My father built a den on to the kitchen. My mother was in the kitchen. My grandmother was in there. And they were talking about the night before. Now, this was wintertime. My grandmother had a, a, um, a furnace in the center of the house. She had designed the house as kind of a square furnace, you know, had this main furnace in there. And um, let me think about this, because I wasn't staying out there. So this must have, she must have come and told this story, because I heard the story from the other room, and I'm not sleeping out there, so I haven't, I'm not old enough to go over there and sleep out there yet. Or we've not started this, when I think age 12. Um, Grandmother said, I had a visitor last night. Got my attention in the other room. She said, my mother said something like, yes, what, what happened? She said, I was, uh, grandmother liked to sleep on the left side of the bed toward the window. She said, I was asleep, and I woke up because the furnace was on, but the air started getting chilly in the room. And I thought, I wonder if I've got a broken window somewhere, because I can hear the furnace, and, um, but the air is getting chilly. And then I felt the other side of the bed start leaning the whole bed started leaning as if a person was sitting on the other side of the bed. I could feel the bed pressing down over there. But I wasn't about to turn over that way. She said, so I started calling on Jesus to come and, and drive him, it, I don't know what she said, drive it away. She said, in a couple of minutes, the bed went back up, it felt level, and then the air got warm again from the furnace. So, you know, I've heard king snake stories, I've heard ball lightning stories, I've heard compression of something, a visitor, not, not a good visit. In her bedroom, so you know it. It uh, it prepares you for encounters with God, but you don't know you're being prepared. This just seemed like a normal. This was normal life in our in our family. This was just how life was. Uh, because my grandmother was not flamboyant at all. She just. Plain, plainly, yeah, the peas are coming in, or the such and such are not, or I need to go hoe out there, and the she'd make her a little garden in the backyard every every year. Let me read one more. I got about four more, but this one more will be. 
enough. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My, my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it, weren't not, if it weren't, were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4, and you know where I'm going. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the highway. You want to know how to get somewhere? I'm it. I'm the way there. You want to know what truth is? I'm the truth. What I say to you, this is truth. This is what it is. I am life. The Father and I are one, he says in other places. I'm it. Tell you another piece of background. I have nothing except that I ran into this yesterday and I started looking it up and I it was interesting to me. I told you that my my grandmother's uh, maiden name was Griffin. She had an uncle, so it makes him my great uncle. And he, I can't pronounce his name. I read it to, to Patsy yesterday. It's a hard name. It's an unusual name, like starts with an A-L-L something. Um, he went, they, they nicknamed him later Rex. Rex could play harmonica. Um, he could play guitar. And uh, if you look up Rex Griffin, you can look up the whole story. He, uh, he started recording. He, he's born here, it says, born in Gadsden, 1914. Um, he started, he recorded some on Decca Records. Now, this is in the 1930s, so there aren't, Big LPs, you know, they have small, single things. And uh, so he recorded uh, four or five songs at this one point, and he records one on March the 2nd, 1936. Now, it didn't get a lot of airplay and stuff, and so, um, and how musicians kind of, used pieces of other people's songs and stuff and how sometimes they get names written down. Carl Perkins um, recorded this particular song in 1957 and released it on an album, and it became more popular, this album of music was. Uh, if, I, if you look up Rex, you can see all the different, there are different people and songs that you'll recognize. But the one that, that caught my eye was, and my mother gave me a, uh, Someone, to honor him, they printed some LPs of his songs. I've got a collection. I'm going to need to get out a record player and with a good needle and play them. So on March the 2nd, 1936, he recorded 
everybody's trying to be my baby. Now, the Beatles heard Carl's album, and George Harrison was taken with the song, so he recorded my great uncle's song. They put it on the British album Beatles for Sale, and later they released it in the U.S. under the Beatles 65. So one of his songs was on there. And I remember my brother's nine years younger than me, John, and when my mother would rock him to sleep, she would uh, sing this song. I didn't realize it was one of his songs until I saw the, and especially when I look this all up now online, I just remember that they would talk about, yeah, we're trying to get his, the, the proper name on that song. You know, they put that under Carl, and, but it was some relatives. And eventually, I guess they got it all fixed because it's the first time I've looked at the back and it's, you get, if you go look at them. Uh, he, she would sing a song, Won't You Ride in My Little Red Wagon. He wrote that one. And in the final little piece on, on Rex, it says, he's also credited, as we think, they weren't sure, as being uh, responsible also with, an, with another writer, they didn't know the other writer's name, of a song called I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. So you go, wow, it's such a small world, all these pieces. I know y'all wanted to know all that. That's real useful today as your spiritual Mother's Day thing about great uncle rex so anybody got something out of today besides jim and his yes you need to watch what you talk about god yeah i guess so yeah yep king snakes are territorial and are very uh, i thought that was a pretty good story Ah, protection, yeah. Yeah. Part of my thing of doing this was because, it wasn't because it was Mother's Day, although I thought, oh, that would be Grandmother's Day. I mean, it, you know, but it, but it was thinking, I remember, you know, the very earliest memory I have is we moved to Rainbow City in 1956, and my father got me a swing set. It had a little thing and a couple of swings. And I think it was the next year in the summer, I remember swinging and talking to God. I have no idea what I said, but I knew I was talking to God. So I was about six years old, six, seven, right in there, six. Um, We just need to encourage each other since we're God's children. We all hear stuff. We all. Uh, if, if life is hard right then, it's good to tell stories. You know, Wimber said it's good to tell ghost stories to each other. Tell our stories of things going on. So bless all you online. You see this. Be kind. You might need to take an antihistamine sometime, too. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Y'all be blessed.